0: The reality is you're probably going at different speed limits. And I know with my relationship, I'm at a total different speed limit when it comes to wealth creation than um, my my future wife of two hours from now. Um, but that's okay. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggis, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today's show is a doozy. We're going to dig into love and money. Yes, relationships. A critical part to building wealth is, of course, being in happy relationships for many people who certainly choose to get married. Building wealth together is a bit of a science. As we know, there is a lot of pitfalls when it comes to wealth relationships and real estate. So today we're discussing the big three. How do we build wealth alongside our beautiful partner and get to the end game, which of course is financial freedom, not driving around like weirdo. Now I'll tell you what, for me, probably the greatest achievement in my life to this point has been getting my own Uber meal Created at Plato's Greek Restaurant in Sydney, you today can order an Uber Sam meal box and you will get my own dish, which I have fundamentally got the restaurant to create, especially for me. Apparently, it's a bestseller, but I tell you what, uh, that is today probably the highlight of my life, getting... Fundamentally, a dish named after me, which you can buy on Uber Eats. Up until today, this was the biggest milestone of my entire life. Today, however, I am getting married. Yes, married. Unbelievable. I have decided that I've got time to kill, so I thought I would knock over a bit of a podcast when it comes to love, money, and relationships, because I'm actually getting married. Yes, three weeks ago, we decided, my beautiful partner, Aliona and I, to bite the bullet and get married. Now, we met on the 1st of April uh, three years ago and we have decided that we are now getting married um, and we are pushing forward with it. And up until, well, COVID hit, um, we had some marriage plans and we'd signed the paperwork and everything to to get the marriage underway and uh, COVID hit and of course no one could go anywhere, no one could go to events, you couldn't even go to a barbecue, let alone a wedding. So we, we decided to not worry about it. In her creative zen way, my uh, partner told me three weeks ago she wanted a particular date and I had three weeks to organise the wedding. So guess what? I'm getting married today. Unbelievable. I feel a mixture of butterflies. I feel a bit sick. I don't think I've slept. Does anyone sleep before getting married? I don't I don't really know. And i tell you what, uh, in about an hour and a half, I am heading off to uh, my best man's house and and fundamentally straight over to to the little place where we're getting married so as for a guy i really there is not a lot to do is there you just basically shower put your pants on spray yourself with a bit of rexona put a bit of the old hugo boss on uh smell as good as you can and uh, just hope you fundamentally uh, make it to the event uh, i can understand Women obviously have, um, have uh, a lot more going on and a lot more moving parts and so uh, for my partner, she's certainly spending a lot more effort, I think, um, getting to the altar. As for me, it's really a shower and putting the pants on, making sure the shoes aren't scuffed and away we go. However, I do not understand the point of the best man. What is the point of the best man? Can someone please tell me what the point of the best man actually is? Fundamentally, my best man has uh, fundamentally done nothing and this morning has contacted me asking if he could borrow some cufflinks. What is the point of the best man other than to irritate the groom? There is really no – I see no – I see. I understand the bridesmaid. The ladies, they're getting um, dulled up. They've got the big dresses. They've got a lot going on. They've got flowers. Blokes get in the shower, put their pants on, spray themselves with Rexona, put a bit of Hugo Boss on, and they're done. My best man can't even put together some cufflings. So uh, today I'm off to the chapel – And of course, as a coach on real estate, I often have seen over the years that people who get themselves in committed relationships without understanding each other perfectly can absolutely end up in a place where financially they end up in misery because they have entered a relationship with someone that they cannot Go the distance with. Their values aren't aligned, their goals aren't aligned, and even their financial world has misalignment. And of course, all this can create is future financial challenges. So I wanted today's show to be about the idea of love and money. And as a 45 year old male species who's never been married before, I probably have very little qualifications to be doing this podcast show about the idea of love and money other than I have coached many people over the years and had to help coach people undo a lot of financial gain by seeing them get into a situation where they're either separated or divorced. And of course, uh, I want today's show to highlight that hopefully we can all enter beautiful relationships and end up in a place very happy uh, spending our retirement years with someone we, we absolutely love and, of course, build that wealth together, not necessarily apart. It's interesting, real estate, of course, is a place of shelter And what I find so fascinating about the demographics of real estate is one of the biggest demographics as to why we need so many properties is actually divorce. That uh, for everyone who gets married certainly around 50% of those people end up splitting apart. And of course, what that ultimately means is more shelter, more people meeting more dwell- dwellings. So of course, real estate and love and money absolutely collide. In 2019, 113,000 marriages were registered, a massive amount. And 49,000 divorces were also granted in Australia. You can imagine, again, uh, many of those people who ended up getting married are happily happily married and going in the right direction. But circa around 15, 50% of people actually end up splitting up. And I think um, even the COVID statistics has revealed that people hate each other Uh, They worked that out when they had to spend all day together. It was all fun and games when, uh, you know, you uh, got up and went to work, got out and about and you only saw each other for really 20 minutes a day. You thought you were in love. Then you realised, oh my God, I'm stuck with this person. I hate this person. So I tell you what, I've always uh, fundamentally thought that... Your life partner certainly has to have a financial interest into what you do because if you can move together, you can grow together. And again, I'm absolutely not qualified to give marriage advice uh, at all. And if anything, I have probably been through my fair share of train wrecks over the years when it comes to relationships. Today is really just my observations around working with people, seeing friends and family all go through this idea of building something together, then having it ripped apart and also my observations around how we can stay together longer and of course maybe just choose that right person so that we obviously don't end up in a financial nightmare which comes with the concept of splitting up in a marriage. The median duration of a marriage, uh, according to the ABS in 2019, when the last um, data came out, was uh, around 12.2 years, right? So separation for many people happens after around eight years. And this blows my mind because I think we've all heard of the seven-year itch after 8.5 years, a lot of people are getting separated, and after 12.2 years, a lot of society is absolutely fed up with each other and moving in a different direction. And of course, when you think about the property market, the property market also works in a cycle, and we are seeing almost marriages mirror the property marketplace with the average divorce rate being about 13 years, the average property cycle is also about that period. So you can imagine um, we've got to not only master this thing called real estate wealth, we've got to also master our relationships. And I often know that uh, real estate vulnerability does come through people's psychology, and also their relationships. So today we're all talking about the big, uh, the big marriage, and of course I'm getting married. But certainly I think um, a lot of people end up in a place where they don't want to be with the person that they've um, that they've got to know perhaps earlier in their life when and they've fallen out of love, and that can lead to a financial challenge. And we're going to talk about how to avoid that financial challenge today. And we're going to talk about some of the rules I think you should adopt as a partnership to get to the end game, which is financial freedom. All right? So uh, let's face it, there's a lot of stereotypes floating around when it comes to relationships. Arguably, men have lost their masculinity today. That That's a big conversation piece. And, of course, there's plenty of girls out there with uh daddy issues or whatever it may be and i think um one of the things that helped me get to a place where i finally met the one which i want to marry is understanding my love languages right and uh there's a great book out there called the five love languages and i think for me um when I analysed my early relationships, I was probably either a little bit immature to pull the trigger on getting married, and for a lot of the uh, relationships I was in before I met, obviously the 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 beautiful person I'm marrying right uh, right now is. Love languages. I was in relationships with people who didn't understand me and I didn't understand them. And I'm really grateful that for both them and me, the people who I dated before my wife came along or wife-to-be came along, that I got to understand this thing called love languages because it has taught me really that I'm connected to a certain type of soul, and being with the wrong person just absolutely, um, you know, is a bit soul destroying, um, really. And that is why I think a lot of people end up in a dysfunctional place when it comes to relationships, because fundamentally they want different experiences of love. So what are the five love languages? Well, the first one is quality time, spending meaningful time with people, quality time. The second one is giving gifts, Uh, basically um, showering people with uh, little gifts. Next one is acts of service, someone who, who does something for you maybe or you do something for them. Um, that could be like doing the dishes or, or, or a little a little gesture which really makes your heart sing. The fourth one is words of affirmation. Words of affirmation are, are fundamentally when someone says, oh, you know, um, oh, you look so good today or, or I really love you or um, oh, you're so funny. Like whatever th- that is, it's like these words of encouragement. And then the fifth one is physical touch that some people really love. You know, getting hugs and 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 holding hands and all this kind of kind of stuff. Now, what I found over the years is when my love language doesn't speak to someone else's love language, we don't connect, and uh, we end up in a place. And in my past relationships, I've ended up in a place where my partner. Um, of the past, might like acts of service and quality time, and then I like something completely different. And of course, that has led to us fundamentally living two parallel worlds. So, after 45 years of trying, after uh, three years in this relationship, I realize I'm with someone and we speak the same love languages. And because I speak the same love language as Aliona, we like the same things. And of course, we fundamentally do not have to work so hard to make the relationship tick. It just does, because I know what her vices are, and she knows what my vices are. I know what her love language is, and she knows what my love language is. And together, I think we paint a stronger picture. But Certainly, a lot of people obviously go into a relationship with someone else with the best intent and a lot of people financially are better off going into a relationship with someone else to build wealth because two incomes are fundamentally much better than one when it comes to buying power of real estate. But also, divorce is a big demographic driver in the real estate community. And I have seen so many, I guess, friends who got married in the late 20s today are in a situation where they are separated and actually starting their second life or their second marriage to someone else. And I do see that those people financially are trying to run two worlds. And the stress on them, is incredible that both men and women who went through an early relationship and then had to basically give up on that relationship but uh, have, um, you know, children and and commitments to a a past relationship, for many people, uh, they are running two financial worlds right now. And, of course, I think um, for, for many property investors who uh, end up in this place, they can end up in a situation where a lot of their assets end up being split apart and, of course, a lot of that future wealth gets obliterated by just not um, understanding how to work together in a relationship financially. So some of the other real challenges, of course, is, uh, you know, there is a, a gender gap Of wages here in Australia. Uh, Women, for example, earn on average around 13.5% less than men. So, of course, you know, you can imagine if many people do get a divorce and particularly for a lot of women as well, is their wages are a lot smaller because of the gender gap in, in Australia and New Zealand that they can quite often end up in a place of of real financial hardship if uh, something was to be undone. So this stuff's really, really serious because the consequences of, uh, you know, I guess, not forming really good relationships and not ending up in a place where you're ultimately happy is devastating emotionally, but also... Financially, it can be very, very hard for for many of the people involved in the situation from a financial point of view where assets are having to be sold off, where properties are being put on the market which are expensive to buy and there's lots of taxes and implications around buying real estate and then all that gets undone, sold off and of course then we're put in a position where we're back to um, being... Only one person and one person's buying power. And for many women, that's even harder because they are put in a position that it just takes so many more months for women to save money compared to men. You know, on average, to save a 20% deposit, it may take the average Australian around, uh, uh, you know, uh, 20 ti- uh, 20% longer than, than, a, than the equivalent male, right? So there's a lot of things that sort of make up this puzzle and we're trying to ca- crack this code of, of love and money. And I guess other than making sure you're in the right relationship to begin with, um, I think there are some some rules which many property investors and couples can can apply. To be successful together. Now, obviously, relationships can be a little bit like the weather. You never know what's around the corner. And uh, certainly, um, I guess, human beings are frail species at times and can mess things up. But the, I think the first rule of investing together in a relationship, whether it be as a partner a relationship or a full marriage, is. Take responsibility together, right? The reality is where you both want to go needs to be discussed. And I think a lot of relationships float. People don't talk about their financial goals, their life goals, their bucket list goals, and really just live a little bit in the moment, which sounds great, but also it leads or living in the moment does lead to a little bit of the idea of not feeling certain in the future. And I think a lot of people fail in their relationship because someone doesn't bite the bullet and lead and fundamentally say, well, look, this is all good and well. We're living this lifestyle. We're having fun. We're having fluffy ducks. You're a funny guy. You're a funny girl. Uh, We have a good um, night out together. But What does certainty actually look like? Certainty, certainty. What does certainty look like for you? Because to make you feel safe as a human being in this relationship, we have to take responsibility. And that psychology is so important. If you don't embrace psychology in a relationship, you're going to have a real challenge with future risk. And I think a lot of relationships break up because one partner won't give certainty to another partner. And of course, a lot of that is stemmed around financial uh, challenges. I mean, people want to feel safe that 10 years from now, they're in a safe position. And if you're in a relationship where that is never discussed, I think that's probably one of the first rules which needs to be addressed so that you're both moving in the right position the reality is you're probably going at different speed limits and i know with my relationship i'm at a total different speed limit when it comes to wealth creation than um my my future wife of two hours from now um but that's okay like we understand that my skill set's a little bit higher in that space and she's got skill sets in a different space, but we still work and understand that we are moving together fundamentally as one. And again, I think understanding your speed limit is so important because I coach a lot of people and I, I get to speak to a lot of people about real estate. And it's so obvious when you sit down with a couple and they have never talked about their shared goals and dreams and they're on completely different speed limits she wants to go out and buy three properties and he's conservative and wants to buy one all of a sudden uh you're probably not in a position where you're moving responsibly together and i think it's so important to map out a financial roadmap for the both of you for the both of you and again um you know, I'm I'm doing some coaching at the moment and one uh, of the couple is probably on a, on a faster speed limit, is a little bit more conscious that certainty is something they want to solve when it comes to the financial world they live in and wants to act. The second partner is sort of dragging their feet. Obviously, I don't get to see what happens behind the scenes, but no doubt if that is not solved, there's going to be a relationship crossover at an emotional level if the financial world is not solved um, at a certainty level. And so I think this stuff is so critical. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly have seen families get torn apart by not understanding how to move at the right speed limit together. Obviously, I think it's so important that families have a budget and that budgets are better understood by both parties because, again, nothing breaks up a relationship more than money. It's, it's ridiculous to, to even think that money comes into a relationship and can tear it apart, something so superficial as money. But it does, because money actually means certainty to people. And when fundamentally people are taking the piss around money and don't even understand basic budgeting, then of course people spend at different speed limits, save at different speed limits, and then there is going to be certainly a conflict for many people if mortgages and bills and bigger ticket items are, are fundamentally... Um, you know one person's responsibility and potentially other person well they are taking the piss when it comes to this idea of building a stronger better team and a journey together so I think we've got to be honest about money Uh, you've probably heard my money shame story if you haven't go back and listen to money shame Chernobyl boy I've done episodes on that kind of stuff There are good bits to money, there are bad bits to money and certainly money does make people feel vulnerable. Financial uh, security is something that everybody wants and you don't have to be an expert on psychology to understand that. I mean, basic year 12 psychology around Maslow teaches us a basic human need for people is without question a level of certainty. So I think for most relationships, um, certainly setting some common goals and common themes around the relationship is so important. You've got to map out your joint bucket list. You've got to think about um, where you're going to take this relationship on all sorts of levels, whether that's establishing a family um, or building your financial masterpiece you fundamentally, once you get married, you've got to start to think about what that means in a joint relationship. And I personally think um, doing some joint education together is a really, really good and powerful way to build muscle. And if that's financial muscle or money muscle, well, that may be doing some education and groups around property, right? That is a great way to to develop together and to understand each other's world, bring in more certainty into each other's landscape and move forward together. I often think having a relationship or investing with someone else is really a joint venture and joint ventures are a great way to get ahead and I really do think um, being in a committed relationship with someone else where you're both at the point where you're investing together, is absolutely a joint venture in some respects. And again, I, I think the big mistakes that joint ventures of all types uh, create for themselves is, one, not having clear goals. Two, not understanding the pub rule, the guideline, the pool rules, right, when there's no clear guidelines around who takes action and process and inaction, then people are going to get burnt or feel bitter. And really not dealing with problems just creates more problems. So the three biggest mistakes I see, no goals, no guidelines, and not dealing with the problem to begin with, which again just throws more hardship into the idea that as a As a relationship, if you're moving in a financial direction together, you've got to sort of map some of this stuff out, write it down, and and actually take it seriously. So, as for me, today's the big day. I'm off. uh, I'm off to to the wedding chapel. It's going to be a short episode today. I really apologize for that. It's um a little bit of a clash with my timing. I'm a little bit nervous. After this, I'll um, go freshen up and uh, put on my, my victory suit and uh, go and stake my claim to a, a beautiful young bride, which um, I hope to be happily married forever for. But I don't enter the relationship um, without, um, I guess, understanding, I guess, where I am in my life and also what my love languages are and her love languages and i really feel that um i think we can make a good life together so hey thanks for listening um i hope this is this episode has maybe made you think about improving your relationship with your partner maybe you can just sit down and start to map out some easy goals and some great books on goal setting um The main thing, I think, to walk away with today is know your speed limit, um, work with your partner's speed limit, and have the same goals and journey mapped out so that you give each other certainty. Take financial issues off the table because there are so many better things to be worrying about rather than money, but money absolutely destroys more relationships than you can imagine. I think we've all seen the results of, for example, children of divorce. Uh, We've seen the results of families which split apart and there really is no winners, right? So I think it's really important uh, at a bare ass minimum, financial security for many people is one of their highest values, So if you can start to understand your partner's highest values, and if that is financial security, you've probably got to do something about it. And that means potentially investing together, moving together as one. And of course, the ultimate outcome of investing together is so important because you'll have more buying power. So you can own more properties, and you can certainly potentially double your wealth position by working with someone collectively to a common goal. And I think uh, some of the strongest relationships I bear witness to have uh, certainly had their ups and downs as any relationship is bound to have over the years. But looking at them now as they've gone through an investment journey together for, say, some two decades... Those couples are just in such a magnificent, happy place. And one of my special clients, a lady called Donna, recently um, bought her dream home in Mossman here in Sydney. She had done that with her partner, Brad, by buying six or seven properties over the years, watching them grow in value, watching that cash flow pop out of those assets. They've been on this journey for twenty years with me, um, and those two have just created this awesome relationship that they're in. And uh, the result of working together in a financial sense today, they live as property investors with, you know, good jobs, but you know, not jobs which are like, you know, they're getting paid millions and millions of dollars. They're just, you know. Um, fairly middle to good jobs they're now living in one of Australia's most expensive and desirable suburbs a suburb called Mossman and they did that through hard work together in a financial sense and they're now obviously living their dream living in an awesome suburb uh, together and they financially mapped that stuff out 20 years ago. So I've got to see the results of good financial management when it comes to love and money. And uh, I certainly hope that is something that you can get to. Hey, thanks very much for listening. I'm off to the chapel. I'll catch you next time on the Urban Property Investor. Thanks for tuning into the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.